Uh, yeah, I met somebody who owns a gallery on Melrose. Um, nice. She's also a visually impaired artist, but I think she curates mostly now. Cool. Um, but she's really cool. You got the basil bump. <laughs> yeah, uh, trying to. Yeah. Um, man, do you, get, do you some... get like some kind of uh, medallion that you can emboss on your business cards or something once you've shown down there in Florida that so everyone knows like, ooh, you know, like they put on the kids books, like when they win the blue ribbon or whatever, whatever yeah, that thing it's was. It's actually, it's just an FBI challenge coin. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they hold it in South Florida. There's just such right. There's they're just hoping everyone will descend down there. All of the just lowliest miscreants that the FBI has a file on. <laughs> the fucking slummy low life artists. Dude, I had two exes down there making art, so that checks out. Nice. As far as FBI files go. Yeah. 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 It's there true. was one lady. That like looked at my one painting, like the one that's the like little girl. She's got a flower out, and there's like the riot cops. Um, it's my favorite painting. It's called Home of the Brave, and it's dope. Uh, there, this woman came up and she's like, you know, this just reminds me of what happened with Elian Gonzalez. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh my god, it was just like this. <laughs> You're are you, are you? Yeah, that's the South Florida connection. Right, exactly. It's like, oh yeah, that was just a couple of streets over. Except Elian was a little boy. <laughs> Elian was a little boy um, when he was taken back to totalitarian Cuba. I did an art walk that was, uh, it was a wonderful like art walk experience getting to see, you know, public art and all this kind of stuff. And then we ended at this one that was like this two-faced, um, it was like a man and it was, the two sides of it, you could see the back was like, he was like all skeletonized and everything. And then the other side was, you know, kind of human form. And it was this artist that uh, had fled Cuba. Um, and I think, I think it was like something in the fifties or something like that. And um, so the art walk was beautiful until that point that it was just an anti authoritarian running away from the totalitarian destruction of Marxism in Cuba. That's true. <laughs> just like, mm, a lot this of mixed, is the stop that I get off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of mixed feelings down there. You know, they like, they, they say go America. Yeah. My, down there. Some people, yeah. my favorite documentary about that whole thing is the, uh, the Lucy and Desi movie that's on Amazon. Oh boy, I suffered through that last Christmas with my parents. Where they're going through all the, uh, you know, Desi's going through all this, all the stuff like the president's having him up there for like a dinner at the White House and stuff to hold him up as like this is the kind of Cuban yeah. that we're we're all about. Yeah, and he's talking about how sad he is. He's like, you know, my mom used to love to walk on on the vistas that we had in our seven palaces back home, and now she just can't do that anymore. They drove us out of the country. Now I'm here. I don't understand why they hate us. Now I'm here, now I'm here George Clooney of the 50s. Exactly. Suffering. That's right. Let that and, you, and you guys want to call my wife a communist? Yeah, let that be a message. <laughs> let that be a message to the goddamn Reds, too. <laughs> There was that USA. Twitter post like 
last week or something where the person started it out by saying my grandfather had a monopoly on eggs in Cuba but then came the revolution <laughs> yeah why why don't people understand how how hard life is now that we don't no longer have our egg monopoly no pity had, all they us. do is is export free healthcare to the rest of the world how dare they yeah we we somehow have solved I, I don't know, stunted growth. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the medical developments <laughs> they seem to have down there are like, it's just like it's transcendent. It's not even like bodily things. It's like, oh yeah, we've we've figured out how everybody can function as if they have three legs or something. <laughs> it seems It seems super cool. And then you still get the romantic scene of, of old old build and 50 style cars. Oh yeah, yeah. I love it. Everybody's still driving the the oldest of Studebakers. Right. At least it's not the East German Trabant or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Paper paper mache <laughs> three cylinder. <laughs> like, oh man, what was that the first Volkswagen bug, you know, the the one that uh, Hitler was going to give to everyone in Germany. That was what he ran on everyone gets a car. D- dope. What an interesting. <laughs> Oh, no. Interesting leadership. <laughs> and JK. in the studio today, we have uh, Kanye West <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, bringing us. <laughs> no, I don't know much about history, you guys. So that's just the he's a, he's some sort of communist leader. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he's a com- yeah. They're socialist, right? That's what the name Ugh, stands for, right? Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, what, was know, that, what, was what was that video you sent me about circling the square math one? And like the first thing the guy said was, <laughs> the, yeah. you know, you can't trust uh, these Nazis because they're socialists, just like all these socialists yeah. in America yeah. trying to take over <laughs> our God given conservative principles. I love it. I love words. <laughs> and I love that words mean nothing. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the geopolitical landscape of the 20th century. Oh man! Like I thought I knew what this meant, but McCarthyism is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Eric. No, go ahead. McCarthyism is the scariest sounding one because just McCarthy is a scary sounding name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's causality, but I just like McCarthyism. That sounds terrifying. Yeah, C's and R's are just generally scary consonants. Interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why Croatia is terrifying. <laughs> and Credence Clearwater. <laughs> and Credence Clearwater. <laughs> <laughs> but there's an exception for Creed. Yeah, yeah. Because they're incredible. Yeah, not terrifying at all. Yeah, you add that Eden. <laughs> That's scary. Quest never ending to find the beginning that came before everything. Like kids with Dakotas Discover the wonder In the ordinary We didn't write the rules We just ride the tone should just operate based on how scary they sound which i think is what americans do when they lie to themselves every day oh yeah that's that's why you're like scared of chinese 
Yeah, right. It sounds scary. Yeah. <laughs> Direct TV. <Ooh>. Sounds challenging. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been wondered about that, though. Is it Direct V? Because <laughs> yeah. that's the way I read it every single time. It's just direct V. Well, if you can get one of the goddamn representatives to pick up a phone, we could ask them. <laughs> Good luck with that, uh, though. Uh, yeah. Oh man, you're lubed up. Like you're warm. I just did. Ra- <laughs> I just did radio. I know. I'm sorry. But yeah. No, I'm. I've got my morning it. yuck yuck voice on. I'm on. <laughs> I'm yeah, on. I noticed. I noticed you doing your radio voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is. <laughs> Ninety-seven one, the freak. Freak. <laughs> we say freak. whatever the hell we want. Yeah, well, right. It's very FM too. All the prod, like the weird repeats and like a distorted. It's you know one comes in and says it. The freak. The it's freak. awesome. <laughs> like the promotional material is super kick ass. Yeah. Like it's exactly what I would hope. There's a lot of cool radio stations out there, and there it's a it's a blessing to be a part of any of them. But it's super kick ass because you at any moment, and this happens at any moment, you might be interrupted by a Buck Cherry song. <laughs> And it's fucking tight. It's like, I'll cut you in or something. Yeah. And it's like, we're back. I, I don't know if it's just a feature of the the feed that gets fed to iHeartRadio. But like even when you're trying to listen to Mavs games, like yeah. sometimes if you, you know, go, go off the app to look at something and you go back to the app to yeah, pick up like yeah, after yes. a commercial break. It'll just be a live song. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> did Chuck Cooperstein throw it to li- a, a live block here? Like, her we're, we're listening to lightning crashes right yeah, now. Yeah, her placenta falls to the floor and Dim when he pulls up for three. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, so you have great. to like reload the app and then it's back to play by play of Mouse yeah. again. They're working the app out though, so that's exciting. The main feature is can you please can you please archive our uh our uh, radio show but that's coming yeah, so yeah yeah I, I have i i play second fiddle to tc on a radio show in dallas for all of those who are listening north of the border yeah yeah all all of our or, california or west friends. yeah right, exactly west of the rockies let's go to <laughs> yeah, eric no, west was, of the rockies <laughs> i was pitching you down in miami whoa um, <laughs> yeah man that sounds like trouble <laughs> <laughs> you should have just texted me and I would have gotten on a Spirit Airlines flight immediately. <laughs> I've got $79. You yeah. know what was interesting is I kept running into people. Um, I don't know if how often either of you have been down to Miami. Quite I've a few times. lived in Spanish-speaking areas a ton, like Texas and Los Angeles. In Miami, there are people who only speak Spanish. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. it's a lot of different kinds of Spanish. Yeah, yeah. You've got it was proper great. Spain Spanish, and then you've got a lot of South American and Central American Spanish mixed in, and they can't understand each other. <laughs> I would have to argue that someone is speaking Cuban-style Spanish in that town. True, true. Perhaps. Probably. Uh, I've only, man, I've been to West Palm Beach to play some festival in West Palm Beach. And I've been in the, what's the close Fort Lauderdale? Is that the sister city? Yeah, Miami, the one that's north of it. I've been to Fort Lauderdale and I've been to Tampa a bunch, but man, I've never like done a proper go out or a proper party in Miami. Like I've only been, I've never really been in the city proper. And that's, it's a huge bummer because I I don't know. I I love smelling bad and doing drugs. Yeah. And to me, that's where I should go to do that. And there's there's 
the very, you know, Miami Beach nightlife part of it. Right. But there's also like, you know, boroughs. Yeah. Kind of like New York or whatever. And that's like the cool, that's like the cool stuff when you get into like the little more, it's a very kind of European in that way. Yeah. Kind of like New Orleans is where you get out and it's real tiny, tiny roads. Dope. I love it. And they've cut like, uh, they have a ton of like drainage channels. So in certain places, it's almost kind of like, uh, Venice because you got to get the water out of all these yeah. little old cities out to the ocean and so they have just channels like cut everywhere. Right. When it's is pretty cool. When is Miami going to be underwater? It already is. They're already they're, dealing they with They deal it. with that. Yeah, they're just already, like Venice, Italy and yeah, yeah, they they get backflow into first floor bathrooms and up the uh sanitary sewer systems and that happens all the time even with just tide change now. Great, great. Yep. I think there was there was somebody who like stopped by my booth to say that it's like at least twice a year that their like sidewalks are just covered <laughs> in like, seawater. Yikes. I love that someone stopped stopped by the booth just to tell you that. Like a docent. <laughs> well, one of my like paintings wearing is like a, a flood. orange vest, like see there might yeah, be yeah. some water through here. <laughs> yeah, it was uh that was pretty great. It was interesting, like um, you know, being there and showing my artwork because my artwork's very political, right? And whenever I say political artwork, a lot of people imagine there's an art, there's an artist in LA, which um, I doubt they listen to this because I've never met them. But if this happens to come across, uh, my apologies. But he says he makes political artwork, but what he means is he puts a stencil out there of like uh, Meghan Markle with Princess Leia hair oh um, man <laughs> they should have never they should have never given the world shepherd fairy the, man. the true princess of the resistance <laughs> right exactly yeah i don't even know where you could go with that yeah. um and so it was interesting because most of the artwork in the art fair i i was showing you guys some pictures i really didn't want to overload you because i didn't want you guys to hate me but i enjoyed I all of it i swear to you it was like 20% Marilyn Monroe paint. Oh, no, nice. really? No one's done that yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was, man. It was, and there was one of them, I was like, I couldn't even take a picture of it because I was like, I don't want this person to see me taking a yeah. picture of this. <laughs> she had Marilyn Monroe's head, and then it was like, like a Maxim style, like topless model that she had superimposed, but then painted it oh. on and, Dude, like it was let's, awful. Let's talk about what's wrong with this woman to not want to showcase Marilyn Monroe's naked body, like as if. <laughs> you know, what sort of statement is that? Like, uh, I got no clue. Yeah, that's what every man wants: Marilyn Monroe's face <laughs> and uh, and a Maxim model from two thousand one. Yeah, who weighs eighty four pounds. Yes, someone from a uh, someone from. Uh, dangerous what was the movie dangerous things no dangerous minds yeah dangerous minds <laughs> that's the that's the just, michelle pfeiffer with yeah the kids. just one of the kids grown up is doing maxim now and that's we've put that body with marilyn monroe's face man maxim was so it was you know off-putting even to me as a college-age kid when i was in college like that early 2000s maxim where it was like uh let's 
let's see if we can show a girl who's emaciated and like her hips yeah. are sticking out and she's tr- she can actually like tie the bikini to her hip bone <laughs> rather <laughs> it was bad man like we're this I think this is a free space to say things like this but we're the same age yeah. it just really fucked up like our little kid brains about like you know and of course it's clearly the women are the, oh, are yeah, the people yeah, yeah. who really fucked up but just trying to understand like what we're supposed to see by someone looking possibly arguably unhealthy or or whatever it's no, like no judgment no comment but it just confused my adolescent brain oh and all the girls in college that you were having going to parties and stuff with were all you know totally diseased by it in their own minds yeah. too because they're all definitely struggling with it and like it was a big thing at, at my college of like every girl had some kind of eating disorder right. it was just like the way that everyone existed right you 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 drank so that was like your only calorie intake oh, man. so you wouldn't eat like all week because you're going to go to a party <laughs> yeah, yeah. empty calories <laughs> mm, sounds good yeah that, it's, well, it doesn't work for me man <laughs> it's like, hey once a day and look at me we're pushing pushing 260 <laughs> yeah my, my, my 40 year old metabolism does not operate like my 19 year old metabolism yeah. did yeah i I can't believe that Marilyn Monroe is still getting the play against. In my mind, Art Basel is like, you know, the the Met Gala or something. But I think the more I see from it and hear from it, it's just like South by where there's just like as yeah. much garbage yeah. as there is like a yes. a clinic reunion concert or something. That's and it's turning into like its own South by. I met with somebody that I've like done some production work with, and she was saying that like she prefers. Uh, Art Basel and that whole week to doing business because how much easier is it to like actually have a discussion with like your client or whatever in an art gallery versus South by where you're either at a concert or you're somewhere where somebody's trying to throw a VR headset on you to like get <laughs> yeah. you to yeah completely you know come to our come to our silent silent discotheque yeah where everyone's gonna wear headphones and not look at each other yeah let's do business and try this new flavor of doritos (laughs) right (laughs) the the thing though with it is like it's split up into so many different types of art fairs like art basel itself is good artwork and it's like just specifically galleries from around the world showing real stuff um Right. It was very cool. I like walked around at one point and I saw like the sign for this gallery. I saw some cool art. And I was like, Inglewood. And I was like, You guys are in Inglewood? And he's like, Yeah. And I'm like, I just moved to Gardena. Like, I'm right up the road. He's like, yeah. Oh, come by. <laughs> so there's like that kind of cool stuff. But then the thing that I was in was like an art fair where you you either get with other artists or whatever, but you pay to be in the show. You aren't like curated by some big a uh, conglomerate kind of international, you know, judge thing. Yeah. Um, so it's the level of art definitely varies. And they, the thing I went to, it used to be like the number one, like place to sell and buy art. And they've since switched their strategy up to being way more of like, come here to party before you go out to like the arts district area Woodwood to party bummer for you man we need to make you some dough (laughs) yeah well i mean it it was nice it was funny though because i cool too (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i 
it was okay. Um, but being there to like showcase my stuff versus or right next to like there was a really nice guy who was selling his mom's artwork and they're like from Germany or whatever next to me. And they were selling stuff like hotcakes. And because it was all priced at a level where I think an early 20 something would go and buy something and be like, I've now purchased real art. I've, like, I've entered the art market. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, yeah. like for $200, you get a painting or something. Sure. You know? Yeah. It's, it's like the, the Epiphone version of when you get your first Les Paul. Right. Yeah. It's, right. <laughs> They're like, Leslie, but wrap was, this up and send it to the Freeport. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was like little stick figures, like jumping rope on top of a woodblock word that spelled out family. <sighs> it was like mom, <laughs> mom boathouse kind yeah. of yes! artwork. Life's better at the lake. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Farmhouse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it was very great. funny. To see people coming up, and I would see some people that I would think they're dressed fashionably. They must like street art. You know, I do spray paint stuff, so it's kind of street art-ish. Um, come up and then just be like, oh, I love this. And just walk right up to something of like, you know, two people like hugging each other, but it's somehow they're shaping a heart, you oh, know? <laughs> totally. Like they're at a home goods. Like TJ Maxx, and it's just strewn across on yes. the floor by the shoes. <laughs> so that's that's kind of I wanted to ask both of you about this, like because I'm sure there's something similar in music, right? Where it's like you make something that's very has its own message, but then I'm sure there's a ton of people that you know it just like totally glosses right over them. I mean, you probably know better than me, George. I don't know about that. I think we're probably equal there. I, I think in, in music, my my sort of way of interpreting it myself and then anything that I've done has always been like, it's for you to decide what it means to you type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and because like in general, one, like songs are pretty short. So if you really want to get really specific about it, then you're going to, you know, get into like, punk three chords in the truth just really like trying to hammer out this anarchist message in a lot of yeah. <laughs> syllables real fast and if you don't understand any of it you still know what it's about yeah yeah or or you're gonna like try to do a couple quirky turns of phrase and make a hook and then that can mean i don't know a thousand different things to a thousand different people yeah i was trying to directly think what the comp would be with like the you know the farmhouse family yeah, stick figures hugging clip art kind of art in music. Yeah. And the only thing that, or the quickest thing that came to mind was like what just happened in the late 90s and the early 2000s. And that you take, you take something that was, you can argue if it's good or not, but you take something that was pure and how like serious Eddie Vedder is being. And then people adopted that to be like, I'm going to be serious, but I'm dumb. Mm -hmm. so, South Florida, <laughs> a lot of those bands came from, <laughs> and so the the post Eddie Vedder and post Kurt Cobain's people who were like yeah, and like the butt rock kind of came out of a place that was truer yeah. in in a sense maybe, but I guess that happens everywhere. Everything can be copycatted and industrialized or you know mass marketed, but I don't know. Those dudes probably believe in their shit so hard. I hate to say that. Like if you're if you're super stoked about Creed and you are in Creed 
and you became Creed, like you worked your ass off and you love the shit that you do. Yeah, yeah, so. they're they're definitely con- like I can I definitely know that Creed was convicted about their message. Yeah, the Lord, their walk. Right. There I do know a lot of bands that were on like Tooth and Nail records <sighs> that did it because they were like, "Man, the only way we're going to get signed is if we do the Christian angle." <laughs> that's that's right. So much so that some of those bands became like stark atheist bands. Right, right. They They're, were just doing it for that first four four album deal. <laughs> do you remember a band called Training for Utopia? Mm-mm. And they were like one of the heaviest Christian bands, like heavy, heavy, like Norwegian sounding, like wow, like very convincing, dark stuff. And then they like backslid into a place where they're like we are now we last record was christian this record is atheist (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna both sides this it it really happened (laughs) so you know i i I don't you know that's a far cry from what the question you asked but (laughs) no i mean it that makes sense because it's like you say that there was people that were totally bought into it there was another guy that i like became friends with he made stuff that was I it, I I could not in my life ever care about it. It's like the stuff where it's like, you know, um old cartoon character, like the stuff I think I texted you about it, like Pluto and Mickey uh playing volleyball on the beach, but it's like, you know, <laughs> like they have like the Basquiat crown over yes, the top of yes. them or whatever. Dude, like these are great prompts. Just there, it's hilarious. I just want a list of all of them. It's so great. It's so ridiculous and just not moving anything forward, is it? It doesn't it's, seem to be. But it was it was so interesting because that guy was like he was a professional artist, like talking to him about this stuff. And he just was like, you know, this is what sells. So this is why I make it, you know. And I he's like, he was so dedicated to his craft. And honestly, I think that was good for me. I don't know why it was good for me yet. I still need to reflect on it. But like to to see that type of person, because I would see that art um, normally and just be like, oh, that guy's just, you know, obviously just Sell doing it to out. make money, but does not care at all about it. And yeah, he that's like great. Really cared. Yeah. Um, which is totally, you know, foreign to me, that yeah. concept to care about you know, that kind of cartoon stuff. Yeah. But, you know, the, the closest thing I can think of that in music off the top of my head. And this has been a theme on the blowout podcast network the last week, but, uh, it's rivers Cuomo and Weezer for sure. Like they do the blue album and Pinkerton Pinkerton doesn't get the acclaim that the blue album did. So they all take the long hiatus rivers goes and does college and gets his master's degree and everything. And then I think it's more the realization that like you had you had they had the fucking golden goose. Yeah. And they had the opportunity we could do this for the rest of our lives and make a good living at it or we could like stop and just go do regular jobs. That sucks. <laughs> that sucks never. Why not just go do the let's let's harness into just this four chord pop structure. And not try to get all experimental like we did and just fucking make the green album. Yeah. The weather, <laughs> and then I'll play this for the rest of my life. Completely. And whether or not that's cool or not is yeah. the tennis net. Exactly. And there's the fans on one side who can hate on it and they can knock that back over. And then they just come with some massive pop hit with an ace and just say, fuck you. 
Because our fan, you still want to come here, Blue Album and Pinkerton. Yeah, you're I still do. gonna you're still gonna pay and the even sh- like a two hundred dollars to come to this festival that we're playing totally the, sixty minutes at. The show still <laughs> fucking rules. I'm still getting drunk and singing along to Beverly Hills, mm. even though I change it when it comes on Jack FM Absolutely. or whatever. You know, <laughs> it's smart. I want to know. I want to know what broke the guy who's making the Daffy Duck playing sand volleyball or whatever. <laughs> I want to know what broke him. Yeah, yeah. Because something broke. We know what broke Rivers. It was Pinkerton and maybe liking two young girls. <laughs> but And getting found out before most were found out. But I want to know. Yeah, well, the guy. He sounds cool. He said that he like beforehand. I mean, this guy was, um, I don't mean to be telling, you know, tales out of, class or whatever that saying goes but like he he was telling me like he used to be like addicted to oxys and like uh like working just minimum wage jobs and everything and then he was like well i'm gonna make my art and i'm just gonna keep pushing it as much as possible yeah and he would just like rent out a van and drive his stuff to galleries to just be like hey can you put one or two of these up and he said it was like comic book characters back then then he got picked up by a gallery and they're like you know uh, if you actually want to make money, don't do this. Do like, you know, Mickey Mouse stuff or Scrooge McDuck holding money bags or yeah. whatever. I respect and that hustle. It's it's interesting because it's totally I I mean, I say I could never do it, but it just it hurts me to think of doing that, <laughs> you know, yeah. but I totally understand how people can do it. Like I've mentioned this to Josh before. I don't know if you know this, George, but um. What's the South Korean uh, K-pop band? The BTS? Yeah, BTS. They were a rock band that was like anti-government stuff. No idea. And, I had no idea. And Incredible. They they weren't making like any money. And I don't know if like their agent or something was like, why not just give it a try, like doing some pop stuff and blew up, which is why they like wanted to take their hiatus for so many years because they're like, we don't care about this at all. Wow. But I mean, they're be- it's like a runaway train. They're beautiful and they're good. And it's got to be super fucking fun to dance. And like, it looks awesome. <laughs> yeah. There's something, there's something to that to, to blow oh, it up. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and once you get that level of fame too, it's no longer the, uh, man, we got to figure out how to milk this for 30 years either. I'm sure that they're like, yeah, they're set now. They're set. And they employed an army of fans in a way that their political rock band might not have could yeah. might oh, not yeah. could have to like then be proactive for change <laughs> and like you know cause havoc on the internet and stuff like that, which is probably exactly what they wanted initially with their rock band. Exactly. Yeah. True. That's awesome. Yeah, it all comes back around. But you know, um, so that's my Miami experience. That and on my first day, I went to go get a bus pass. And I was I was walking on the street and there was this nicely dressed older man. And uh, I was like, I, you know, just said, hey. And he was like, hello. And I said, uh, how are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I was like, uh, good, good. And he goes, habla espanol? <laughs> and I said, yeah. no, no habla espanol. And he goes, ah. And bit his lip and looked me up and down oh. <laughs> as I walked away. Oh, boy. we cannot be so, friends. You can be lovers, <laughs> though. I, I think that's what he's saying. But no, he I almost became an infante azucar or something. <laughs> uh, love, love knows no language barrier. 
<laughs> it did for him. It did. I, then I went to go get a Cuban and a guy fully strapped in about eight different guns came up and ordered at the same Cuban place. That's cool. It's good to Open know you're carrying safe. in front of the courthouse. Can, right, exactly. Can you do that in Florida? No questions asked. Open carry. I don't know if they're as lenient as Texas. Like Texas uh, fucking carry without any permit, licensing, right. nothing. As long as right. you're 18 years old, you can carry. I, I don't know if it's that. You don't even need wide hands. Open. Yeah. yeah. I, I got a gun. Yeah. No arms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Florida's got to be close, though, probably right behind us on our heels. Oh, yeah. I would imagine. I mean, everybody was just like, kind of like, this guy is looks psycho, which it's funny because I grew up around guns. Um, I don't know how much you know about my backstory, Jorts, but uh, suffice it to say, my dad was in the Marine Corps and I was raised by psychopaths. Yeah, I know a little and, bit about uh, it. And I figured some <laughs> guns so, are in the mix somewhere in yeah. North Dallas or wherever. And so I'm very comfortable around guns. I don't have any myself, yeah. but like, it's not like a I don't get scared looking at a gun or whatever. But then I was thinking, like, is You're this how I pussy. die? <laughs> yeah. Is this how I die in, like, a an active shooter? Like I'm, I just see a guy walk in with guns, and I'm like, huh, of course, Florida. And then he just opens up on us. <laughs> I, w- I wonder what that ranks now in, like, cause of death statistics. I wonder, too. You know, like, is it uh, if you're below, like, 50 years old, is the likelihood of being in a death by mass shooting like up there with like liver failure or something for like people who are under 50? Like, yeah. what, I wonder what, what the comparable medical ailment would be. Yeah. Non-Hodgkin's. Yeah. yeah. Lymphoma. You're less likely <laughs> Not regular to lymphoma. get non-Hodgkin's lymphoma than you are to get shot yeah. in a mass shooting. Well... <laughs> <laughs> And That's with bright. that, <laughs> tell um, me, tell yeah, me what, so yeah, I'll go ahead. You introduce it, Eric. You're the best at this. Uh, well, I was actually just going to ask you to introduce it, but oh, George, so God, you, I'm sorry to fuck everything up. <laughs> 12,000 years ago, it's where we begin. <laughs> yes. Everyone remember when we talked about the Pleistocene? And the and when all the extinction of the mega flora and fauna happened, and you, you guys remember that episode? I do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the one with like the Australian megafauna dying out and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So turns I think, out, turns this... out it was an ancient civilization of giant white people that came and killed them all. <laughs> <laughs> it always happens. <laughs> When did this come out? When did this get... Because I know this guy's been around for like 30 years. This show started like November, right before Thanksgiving. It's a new... I think I watched it within the first week. Yeah, because it's still like up in like the top 10 on new releases on Netflix, I think. So... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's within the last month. My Matt Walsh video I was watching last night to prepare for this was in the last like two weeks, so... Um, apparently the left is afraid of this documentary because, uh, it teaches you that you can question narratives and uh-huh. they don't want that. Yeah. Wait, what, wait, what isn't the wait, left wait, scared of? But the, who, who's pushing the narrative? Is it, is it the journalist or is it, is it the archeologists that have narrative? I forget which job does the narrative. I, it's very, <laughs> go ahead. No. You give me your perspective here. The archaeologist 
yeah. is the narrative that's being pushed. They're they're the ones that build narratives as they're, a job. They're the bad guys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. I want you guys to lay this out a little bit better than me because mine is going to just sound like, you know, like I haven't consumed any of this not on edibles, <laughs> exactly. which I know maybe you guys haven't either, <laughs> but you guys are fucking smartos. So, so, so yeah, I've, I've definitely messed up most of the time when I watched all of these and I kind of, you know, would have to go back and be like, Oh, how did that last episode end? And so I've seen probably all the episodes cumulatively twice yeah. at least now. Um, but the thing that just strikes you and I have to think anybody who watches it first before they even get into any of the like stuff is just th this man has been wounded by archaeologists so deeply. <laughs> we know the answer to the question, who hurt you, Graham? We know. It was some poor archaeologist, some one guy, one guy when you were a little boy did something terrible to you. You found out he was an archaeologist, and you have just now, in the last 70 years of your life, had an axe to grind against this community. Point to the body part on the god Horus that <laughs> this archaeologist... <laughs> Oh, but right geez. in the beak. Yeah, right in the beak. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess like the the real the real critique on that line of it is one like uh, he comes out basically saying uh, archaeologists, scientists, and intellectuals they're all just a bunch of nincompoops because they don't want to accept new evidence. In fact, it threatens them. Yeah. If anyone if anyone brings them one piece of new evidence, they want to like just shut that person up, kill them, throw them away because it'll ruin all of their wonderful body of research that they all pray to like a god. And we've talked about this before on this podcast, but like science, it this is the view of science from people who come at it from a spiritual place. The when people that have like very held spiritual beliefs, whether it's religion or it's mysticism or astrology or whatever that is, their relationship with information that they deem as reality is a faith-based relationship. And science doesn't do that. So they they get confused when people are like, oh yeah, I, I follow science because they think as if science should be some sort of established one-time thing like the Bible. Like these are all the facts. Right. It doesn't change. And that's just not what science is. It's science is literally a method, a method. It's a process of finding the truth. Right. So any archeologist or scientist or intellectual on any of this stuff is desperate for new data. <laughs> They're yeah. Like that's all they fucking want. They want something to like, some juicy revelation because that will like open up a whole new part of the field. Um, like the reason we send new telescopes into space is not to be like, Oh, we knew what the stars look like in the 1800s. Why are we even sending a telescope to space? Cooler picture. We need to get more fucking data. That's like the whole point of the thing. So when anyone starts their thesis with uh, scientists just hate new information, yeah. <laughs> new data, you, automatically a lot of alarm bells should be going off to anyone. I found it interesting because like, you know, the time that I spent in medical research was definitely like, I, I can empathize with that feeling that scientists are rigid and stuff because when it does come to like an individual 
person, an individual researcher or scientist or whatever, like the the head of a laboratory is called mm. the principal investigator. They get their funding for their specific thing. You know, they make posters about it to go to science uh, conferences and all that kind of stuff. Science and, Basel. Exactly. Yes, yeah, Science Basel. Um, and I explained like one of the stories where... I was very new to the lab and they were like, well, we should get you a poster. We should get you into this, get some experience. So here, you'll make this poster about this thing. And I'm showing it at this uh, conference and this guy came up to me and he's like, oh, so what does this, you know, uh, BMP do in your science experiment? I'm like, oh, well, you know, it grows uh, bone tissue in the in the muscle tissue and we see that the nerve interacts with it this way. And he goes, that's interesting. Uh, Cause my research completely contradicts all of this. And <laughs> so it's, it's funny because you individuals can come up with like different kind of competing stuff, but the overall consensus of science is always looking for the new stuff. They're, they're almost looking for that level of, like that low level of like competing for, uh, you know, you you could call it relevancy, but really it's just evidence, com- competition of mm-hmm. actual evidence. Yeah, and whatever sort of rises to the top of evidence, then gets reviewed by uh, the consensus of scientists, and then is you know, um, held as kind of the leading theory for whatever, but. You know, just as that one conference in Houston, like right up the road from where I lived, shows you that's happening everywhere all the time in science, meaning everybody has different opinions about everything. And the whole point of it is to like be like, well, no, I think this is differently. You haven't shown me this kind of evidence. Where do you get that sort of information? And when like this Graham Hancock guy comes in is he pits it as just two individual sides or, or two big sides. There's a big consensus of archaeologists and mainstream archaeology, the big bad word of mainstream. Right. Yeah. Just playing up. right into the American narrative that everything yes. has to be this or that. And so we eat it right up. Well, and, and yeah, he a, starts as an aggrieved person, basically a victim of cancel culture. Yeah. That's, that's part two. That's like, just, right. This is going to play for a certain audience that is really big that thinking that, man, people are being censored. They're being silenced for having free thought. Right. And let's wheel in Joe Rogan to back us up. <laughs> yeah. Whenever, I mean, it was within the first 30 seconds that Joe Rogan was in this thing. And yeah, the first episode is kind of like uh, a preview for what the series is going to be, like the first 20 minutes. And it's like, do you, have you've never heard of Graham Hancock? Well, he's gone on all these famous shows like the Joe Rogan show. Hey, uh, <laughs> and like to me, it played initially. I was like, oh, this like didn't get picked up on History Channel. Just yeah. like wh- whether yeah. or not whether or not the basis of stuff that's there, I find it fascinating, and I, I tend to want to believe. We'll get into it probably later. The the whole like Eastern Washington stuff. I don't know about all that stuff. That was a little like ah, I don't know. And you guys are science guys. You could probably knock that down or or boost it up. But aside from content, just it immediately was presented to me with that with the dumb dramatic music and the kind of repeating of the same footage. That it might have been cut to try to bring to our dads on cable. Exactly, it was like uh, it was very ancient aliens. Yeah. Um, the the interesting thing on that, I don't know if you either of you guys researched on how it got picked up on Netflix. 
No. No. Uh, so Graham Hancock's son, Sean Hancock, is the director of original programming at Netflix. No way. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's no way. <laughs> one direct connection of how this got put on Netflix. Jeez. <laughs> That's like uh, the Sandler or the uh, Kevin James movie about uh, what's his name, the yep. Saints coach, Sean Payton. Yeah, yeah pretty much it's a similar similar deal. <laughs> yeah, and well, and Sean is a big fan of his dad's work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Since it was since it was the son getting his dad the job, though, if you claim nepotism, that's actually an ageism that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. You can't you can't do that. <laughs> Boy, just canceled him all over. Yeah, and <laughs> but the the other thing before we get in deep is like one, Graham Hancock's been around a long time. Like his first book was ninety five, Fingerprints of the Gods, I believe. I remember all those in um, my early conspiracy days. And, yeah, but he was on like coast to coast, sure. and stuff like that sure. all the time when we were in high school, right? And um, the he does does have a link into that ancient aliens sort of uh, conspiracy theory stuff because some of his earlier books, what his ancient civilization was that was really advanced, his original idea before he was all in on Atlantis stuff was yeah. um, they were from Mars. Oh. It was the Mars civilization that came here and taught us all how to do all the stuff because we were just a bunch of dumb chimps. So Right. Um, but now he's he then revised it to Atlantis and now he does he's gotten smarter in his old age in these later ones. He doesn't ever say those words anymore. No, I thought No, no, no. I knew a little bit about it. They him. like m maybe said the word Atlantis like one time yeah, in the whole documentary and then they referred to a lot of people who have written books about Atlantis yeah. and a lot of things tangentially to it, but he's you know, he got ridiculed a lot for being so hardcore about Atlantis that he doesn't say that word anymore. He has like other placeholder words to <laughs> yeah. slightly canceled reference canceled himself. It. Yeah. 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 He canceled he has no conviction in his theory. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. You know, you start talking about old civilizations underwater in the Caribbean, you kinda know you kinda <clears throat> know the dog whistle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that's there is this um, you know, thirty year uh history of his uh, doing this exact thing and then getting refuted by academia and then going about and being like, look, it must kind of mean I'm right because why would they be so pissed off? Yeah, right. <laughs> I think the the thing that, you know, you mentioned it, of course, that he brings up like they don't like him because he threatens them or whatever. The reason that he really talks about it and... Uh, this is one that I, I just have some experience on, um, but I've definitely referred to uh, experts in the field. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Um, but he says that they archaeologists are threatened by it and don't appreciate his investigations at all because it would it, it would hurt their grant funding uh, possibilities. They wouldn't be able to get grant money to do their research because this would be a new theory or whatever. Yeah. And the the way that grant funding works is it's it's meant for new discoveries. Like you <laughs> you get grant money to go do new things, but the way that most archaeologists make money is by doing like surveys. So whenever a company wants to come do a new construction project or whatever, if it's close enough to known archaeology sites or uh, other kind of stuff, 
they have to call in, you know, most places legally require them to call in certain experts to come in and survey the area to see the the impact on culture. If you're going to be digging deep in the ground, are you going to be going through like, you know, some site of some civilization or something that has important information that we would want to know? Um, one of my professors in college was a botanist, and this is how he made most of his money is if, you know, somebody wanted to open up their ranch for cattle farming or something, they're going to put down different types of grass than what's in the wild. So then he would just have a chart to be like, well, if you want me to tell you with 95% confidence all of the species in this area so you can know the ecological impact of this, then it's going to cost, you know, $50,000 or whatever it is. Um, that's how most of them make money. So the, the thing that he's like saying that they're not going to be able to make their grant money and that's why they hate his theories, like totally doesn't matter because they don't make any money from grant funding anyways. Yeah. And the, the whole idea would be that if there was new information, then people could publish a lot of new papers and a lot of new peer review papers on those papers. And the other way that you make money as a scientist is by publishing so like if everything was not going to get updated then there wouldn't be new publishing and those uh, scientists wouldn't be competing for that fame and glory that they all do because that's one of the big complaints about the scientific community is that it's all about fame and glory and publishing papers right yeah i mean that's the commodification of it yeah it's far it's far less edgy than he pitches it but just five minutes into a discussion about how nuanced and political it can get it it pushes me back to like oh yeah yeah, there is a little bit something in what he's saying, despite like yeah. the, the grant thing and the the survey idea. That's you know it's way less sexy, and that makes a lot more sense. And I know that the stakes are really high because if if you want to discover something of an ancient civilization or you're on the trail of that, versus maybe like what's the impact if I start a cattle ranch somewhere? Like it's it's a um, it's like it seems like it me it might be harder to break into that in a sense yeah the like so just to just jump to go beckley tepe which yeah. i think is like the fourth episode yeah one i of, lose track one of the most fascinating ones uh-uh. i thought yeah it's one of the most fascinating Malta? archaeological sites in the world that's that's like his big is it not the turkey Turk, one yeah. turkish or Mal- okay turkish. yeah not malta it's, turkey but right. that's like his big site that he like even in this Joe Rogan thing that I was watching earlier, um, that's the one that he like bases a lot of his stuff on. And it's also the number one site for the ancient aliens guy too. So you got to decide which right. one you're gonna, <laughs> who you're gonna. <laughs> yeah, right. Just yeah. <laughs> Whose information you, are you gonna, are which, you gonna field in? Whichever know? one I want, the one that's the least scientific. Yeah. <laughs> Just because that's real fun to <laughs> get but, stoned to. But, but that's the thing is like. That's it's also a pretty recent discovery, like in in the time since we've been adults when that was discovered. Yeah. Um, so the there has been a lot of scientists who have become, you know, known because of their research on that, but nowhere any of them near as known as Graham Hancock. Yeah, is. right. Okay, so if it's like uh like they the guys that actually did the work and got peer reviewed and had to do the radiocarbon dating and all of the quartz analysis on how the grains like fit inside those rocks and were they exposed to sunlight at different times, all that type of stuff. Um things that Graham never mentions, which is like another critique of the thing. Like he talks about stuff and says 
this is dated to this. It's clearly this. It's yeah. clearly this. And he never says one thing about, he never shows one sample that was ever tested. Yeah, I wanted or to Or never know why. shows right. any of those things, um, which is like all the papers are about is like all, the things that he rails against are the things that, that you would need. That he's you know? using. Right, right. Um, so that with uh, Gobekli Tepe as an example, like for one thing, like in the show, he exaggerates the height of the pillars by like three meters, which is no need to do that. Like uh, they're yeah. amazing as they are, but he claims they're three meters taller than they actually are. Yeah. And exaggerates the weight of them by like a couple tons, which <laughs> it's so juvenile. It's like, okay, okay yeah. like you, I, you're trying to give us a uh, say that there's an alternative here to mainstream you know, ideas. Why do you need to juice these? St- They're already fucking incredible. Yeah. <laughs> like why, why do you need to juice this to yeah. make it? And then just little things like, are you not supposed to just round up in science? That's no. <laughs> not like a thing. Yeah. Okay. Or, or just things like when they'll have, there will be a dating range that has been published. That'll say like, this is from 3,500 to 4,000 BCE, you know? So there's like a 500 year range there. Well, he'll pick the latest one and then add a thousand. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's, that's it's, just like, it's just like you don't need to do like these yeah. things. You're you're already saying the that you don't agree with this stuff. Yeah. So why are you exaggerating some of the stuff that you're going to refute? Anyway, it, it just is weird. That's person, just these little. That's personality shit. Like yeah, he yeah, just yeah. might be a white liar yeah. or yeah. something, which doesn't the, seem to work. The, the weird thing, like in in this Joe Rogan thing, he's like actually debating quote unquote because it's not a real debate with an archaeologist about the Gobekli Tepe site and they're like you know this site's you know 11,700 years old that's 700 years older than Stonehenge and it's like no you have one sample from one lab that tested one piece of it that was 11,700 years old that's very impressive on its own the whole site did not exist at that point because every other sample of every other thing is thousands of years more recently. Um, but he does that kind of thing where he like he will take the oldest age of one sample of whatever, which, you know, those sorts of things are pretty accurate, like the, you know, radiocarbon dating and everything. Like, it's well-known science, but... When it comes to testing stuff, you can have like a bad reading or whatever. Like the the way that all of those machines work is you essentially like run through and radiocarbon dating is not something I've researched or like I learned it in college and then I have since not looked into it too much. But it's very similar to a lot of other tests that I've done more recently and done personally. And you run like samples through it and essentially tell the machine this is the baseline and then you run your actual sample that you're going through so you got like a control that you're setting and you as a human determine the sensitivity of that control mm-hmm. or yeah. how like the age range that you're saying that control is so there is a ton of room open for having it fudged a you know few hundred years or whatever which is he uses as his defense to say that mainstream archaeology is bad because they they can just you know stick with these numbers that they can come up with 
but doesn't point out that his numbers could also fall into that fallacy. But the other problem with like archaeologists with him is that they say, give us something, some repeatable evidence. And that exactly is like the thing that Mm -hmm. he never gives. It's not repeatable to get the, maybe not in this instance, but in a lot of other stuff, you cannot accurately with 20 samples get them to say 11,700 years old from this site right. or whatever. No, you get the consensus, which is why they do more than just radiocarbon dating. You know, right, exactly. the the spectral dating on the on the quartz grains and stuff is just as accurate now and especially from an archaeological standpoint. Like that shit's fascinating. But like they can tell when it when the last time the grain, the little microscopic pieces of quartz inside of stone and sediment were last exposed to light and heat. And that's, that's incredible. When you compare that with the radiocarbon dating, then you're like, okay, now we've tested all these different samples and they all kind of overlap at this range. And so that's why yeah. we've dated at this range. Yeah. The whole time yeah. I'm watching it, he's like, I'm being accused of pseudoscience. And that's all I'm watching <laughs> is pseudoscience. And it's like, I. I'm cool. I want to buy in. I want to ask bigger questions. Yeah. And I'm into it. But like, it's just bad. He's using bad debating. Well, and that's it's like the- he would get like fouled right out of a debate tournament and he's saying it himself. And then that's when I'm like, oh, I probably could go to my buddies or, or <laughs> another scientist on the street and kind of real quickly be like pushed in this other direction. But you're not exposed to any of those things, you know? Yeah, and that's that's the da- that's sort of the danger in him is that he is very articulate, and he he says stuff that is not necessarily objectionable. Yeah, like he'll say stuff that is absolutely accurate from the archaeological record, but he'll phrase it in a way that makes it seem suspect. Sure, and then just do the I'm just asking questions bit, um, and that's like that's the dangerous part of thinking that a any person's question about something that they could completely imagine and speculate in their head is equally as valid as any of the research that all of these other people have done their entire life through this process. Yeah, it's like arguing with your grandma about politics or, right. or some an old a boomer and they're all like, "Well, I just don't know." That's like it's the non-starter like way to (laughs) kill the argument just to be like you present them with something and they're just kind of like, well, no, I just don't think so. And he kind of does that a lot with his scientific terms. He like only ran into like one guy that he did in this interview series that kind of gave him a pushback. The the dude that was uh, running the place in Louisiana where the mounds were poverty point yeah I want to go there you guys um, I want to go check that, it out and that guy was was like well yeah I mean there's not enough evidence here based upon even what's left for us to make any type of educated guess right. about what the intent of any of these things were we can't there's not enough information and then it, he goes into and conjecture then, and then he's like ah. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he's just like, I, it's just based on vibes at that point. Yeah. And I'm like, that's where it lost me because I'm watching based on vibes, but I want to be handed something. Yeah. And, and, and that's where, like, when he gets to that stuff where he really starts to get into, like, astronomical alignments, things lining up with Sirius, Sirius. or things lining up with, like, the, the solstice and things lining up with different stars, like, 
that is a dangerous game because th- this is where th- I was reading a good uh, sort of critique on this from another archaeologist, and he says one of the biggest things that they do in the field is that you do not want to confuse any discoveries that you have as significant if you do not know the intent. So significance of a discovery only matters if you can tell what the intent of the people were. So if it's significant that on on a globe you can spin the sky around back in time to a point where this piece of a of a monolith lines up with a star. Yes. Unless you know that that culture found that star very important or that constellation very important, it's not significant. I see. That's I I was waiting to hear why scientists don't don't think about astrology as much as Graham says they should. And that was, I was great to hear that. And that's just, is that just agreed upon in a, in the bigger, like scientific method? Yes. Like significance. Yeah. Significance matters from anthropological, I guess. And from an intent standpoint, that's what matters. Cause you, you otherwise you will bias all your findings because you will start writing the mythology of the culture that you don't know anything about. Right. And you'll be like, oh, well, if I connect that dot, then what if they thought like this? Then that means they probably thought this. And suddenly you're 50 steps down the chain in your imagination. And in order for all of those things to be right, you're talking about like probabilities that are non-existent that could possibly happen because it's all stuff you just made up in your head. Yeah, that's how he gets to Quetzalcoatl like arriving on a boat for sure. Yeah. And, you know. Can I, is this an okay time to ask you guys a question that I wanted to ask? I don't want to like, yeah, of course. I don't want to interrupt the flow in a sense, but like, are, okay, so we know his methodology is, is fucked <laughs> for lack of a better uh, way to put it. And we know that now I understand a bit more about the scientific process involved and stuff like that. Are there, are there leanings? that's supported by good science that point to the fact that like some of the stuff he's saying about civilization being a bit older than we think it is, is that is some of that stuff easily checked out? So go ahead. The, the thing that he like brings up and says quite often is that, you know, archeologists are just like refuse to acknowledge that civilization is older than they say it is. And they, he says, you know, it's a set standard. And then this, uh, God, I, I can't even remember the name of the, the place in Turkey. Um, he's like, well, you know, this place is as old as hunter gatherers were and no civilization existed around this time, but this is something that would define a civilization, having a mega structure like this, a division of labor and needing multiple people and having agriculture and all of these things. And so saying it like why seemingly overnight they gained this knowledge. <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. And the thing that archaeologists are doing right now is they're saying, well, for, you know, a hundred years or however long they've known about hunter-gatherers, um, which again, on the grand scheme of science, is insanely short. Yeah. Like the amount of uh, knowledge that we've gained on actual things. But saying like hunter gatherers could have never built these mega structures because they didn't have agriculture, they didn't have divisions of labor, which is not true. They did have some division of labor. Um, archaeologists are then saying like, okay, well, there's this like gray area between hunter gatherers and civilizations, and 
I guess we underestimated hunter-gatherers. They must have been able to build some stuff. So there's, there is this area in science where he comes back to over and over again. He's like, well, archaeologists don't even accept that hunter-gatherers could do something like this. And then an archaeologist is like, no, we do yeah. now say archaeologists or hunter-gatherers could do that. And he's like, well, <laughs> that's only recently you said that. And he's like, well, yeah, because it took years for the science to kind of show us that hunter-gatherers had more advanced stuff. And we, I think he one of the archaeologists called it like the bias of i forget the name of it but there's some bias that there's a lack of technology that we can find in the record therefore we think they can't do things and if there's some evidence to the contrary then we can be like oh wow they could do that is the way that science goes and how it points to older civilizations than like what is traditionally thought of or whatever and we've yeah. talked we've talked about on here too just the the evolution of humans is not like just since uh, twelve thousand years ago mm-hmm. when the ice age ends. Like before that, you have lots of humans, and you have like a yeah. hundred thousand years of humans. Yeah, and right. there, you know, up to forty two thousand years ago, there's also Neanderthals, and there's uh, there the Denisovians. There's lots of like competing. Uh, species that are right there next to us yeah the 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 thing to always remember is that the homo sapien human beings that came out of africa you know even the ones a hundred thousand years ago they are exactly the same evolutionarily as we are wow no shit we're not superior to them in any way there there's not enough time for there have been to like some weird evolutionary jump to where we have some way better brain or the the guys that were walking around in africa (laughs) a hundred thousand years ago have all the same tools and capabilities as all of the guys who work at nasa right now right it's nothing different yeah the people the as you're saying the people (laughs) who study this they literally say you you could if you could find them and unthaw them, you could literally take a human being from back then, unthaw them, and they would be able to understand and use a computer and the internet and everything. Like if trained, that's how. Si- if yeah, yeah I, I mean, mean if, if it, it was up. a baby, well, they, say if it was yeah. a baby. Okay, yeah, ba- baby, them, right? To 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 nurture, yeah, yeah, yeah. to teach language, to to. Okay, I see. Yeah, but it's so it's, the, it's not the, like the the brain all of a sudden became a bigger more functioning thing yeah. whenever we learned how to write it was always capable of writing even before writing ex- it was always capable of doing calculus before leibniz and uh, and newton came up with calculus like, it was all there it's always been the same yeah. same huck of meat that it is now yeah okay <laughs> it's really just i mean Wild. the the thing that gave us a a jump in our ability to think more indifferently is like the discovery of fire and cooking because then we could actually unlock nutrients and things like the thing the reason you know i i don't know how comfortable you are with like biology stuff but like the reason that whenever you eat vegetables like corn or whatever you can still see it in your poop and everything is because our our bodies do not have the protein to break down the cell wall yeah. in plants, uh-huh. but cooking it does break that down. Like, so you can access nutrients much easier that way by cooking something uh, because it breaks down the tough part. So our body doesn't have to do the tough part. It has to just go through 
and then like a factory line sort out the nutrients instead of spending all of its energy trying to just rip it apart and break all these complex molecules apart and everything. But that is not an evolutionary advance. That's just like a a learning thing that humans were like, oh, we can like utilize fire in this way. Right. Discovery, in a sense, which comes mm-hmm. from the tools you're already equipped with rather than whatever right, is exactly. biologically happening. Right. So human beings were competing with Neanderthals and Denisovians of walking all over the place way before the Ice Age. And that there's evidence of that all over the place. And archaeologists are like, yeah, look at all this evidence. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're, not, they're not disputing that. They're not saying that it... That's the other thing is it's up to Graham to be the one who tells us what he means when he says advanced ancient civilization. Yeah, I, want, I wanted never to know. Def- I never He never defines it. what it is. He doesn't say it was like, a, are we talking like spaceships and stuff? Or yeah. are we talking like these guys just like could communicate telepathically, which is why they never wrote anything down either? Yeah. Like what, what is the, what are you saying that made these people advanced? Do define with specific terms, please, so we can like have this conversation. But he never does. He just alludes to it um which that's go ahead well like on the on the joe rogan thing he the archaeologist pushes him and says like what do you mean by advanced you know because we don't have any writing for them we don't have any metal tools we don't have any um any like pottery from these people like what do you mean by advanced and graham's only rebuttal is well, what if as a civilization, they decided they didn't need metal? What if they decided that writing isn't always an advancement? It could have been uh, a detriment to their civilization. And so then you're just kind of like, okay, what if, then why do you, how would you even know that they exist? Yeah. You know? And that's, it's like just, it's bringing up a negative just to say like, well, I'm correct because these things don't exist, which is, very strange. I, well, I think the bigger point that that comes back to is that the the whole idea of this ancient advanced civilization is a dog whistle. Yeah, it's a racist dog whistle that's been used a lot of times. It was used by Hitler and the Nazis. It's been used before uh, to advance colonialism and advance uh, Spain going through Mexico, advanced American colonialism. It's been used lots of times. But the idea that indigenous human beings were somehow sub-creatures to some other race of human that in in Graham's books, in in his previous books, he does define as white. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. yeah, he didn't mention it. Yeah, he, he doesn't mention it in, in the, the show, but in his books, it's show. very clear that this is a this is a white race that oh my God. comes, and it's the one they knew that. Oh man, this cataclysm is about to come. They saw that. Oh God, in this version, comets. We figured out comets are coming from the sky, and they're all going to crash into all the ice and melt all the ice. Um. So we got to send emissaries all over the planet yeah. to these these beneath us right. creatures that we never wanted to deal with. He in the always past. has his hero arriving. Yeah. Just like pilgrims. And or just right. like yeah. And like when he when they're in um in Mexico, um 
uh, in episode two, you know, they're, he's talking about it and he talks to that second guy. I think the guy's name is like Virgil or uh, Virgo, but that guy is a huge uh, white nationalist, oh my uh, God, racist no uh, writer, historian. Um, and <laughs> the myth that he's talking Yuck. about the giants that come and t- tell those people the information, that is a myth that was not from the culture of those indigenous people. That was a myth that was created by Spanish Christians who went over there and they created a myth that they were the white yeah. giants of all the information to come to give free these people and basically ter- colonize them into Christianity. Um, and so Graham uses that as, oh, this is a, a myth deep inside the culture that they one a long time ago were visited by these white giants. No, that this is a thing that was created by the Spanish colonists that came over there Jesus. to force these people into into accepting them. Yeah. Um, and that's the case all over, like at Gobekli Tepe. The indigenous people were just too stupid hunter gatherers to figure any of this stuff out. They needed all these people to come and save them. Fi- teach them how to do agriculture, teach them all these things, which basically erases any of the cultural heritage, advancement, um, actual rewards that those people have from creating these structures and things. It it rips their entire history away from them to say, oh, you would have never come up with that shit if us white guys didn't show up to fix that for you. And it's the reason why it's so grabbed onto by the the right wing um, and conspiracy theorist establishment is because a lot of those people use Graham's talking points as ways of defining, hey, actually, the white race is supreme. We are the one we are the holdovers of the last great civilization. And we're just deluded by having to be mixed breeds with all these people. Right. You just bridged a major gap for me because I, when you're 20 and you're in college and you're hanging out, of course, it's fun to think about 9-11, and that leads you on a on a road down to uh, a- the god Amon mm-hmm. or all sorts of things, and you can start putting together the secret societies and masonry and stuff like that. But I, won- I had wondered what made that leap straight over to, like, post-Tea Party America, yeah. you know, and, and that as a great explanation and definition for that. And it just took, just took a little mind thought, are you sort of instructing me to be like, you're right, man. Like it's, it's, it is just backing that just bold and gross narrative that like, you know, the pilgrims invited Indians to Thanksgiving to teach them how to (laughs) knit or whatever. Yuck. (laughs) So it's kind of what the whole show is, is trying to set up this foundation and they never, he's never explicit about any of it. But now it's, it's very Trumpy in a way of like Trump never went out and said the N word or went out and like said that he didn't like gay people. He never went out and said those specific words ever. Yeah. But everyone knew that he was saying it in his mind when he was saying other words. Yeah. And then a lot of people got mad and were like, but didn't you hear what he said? And then all of his supporters would be like, yeah, but he didn't actually say he that. He didn't say it. Man, yeah, it's Kanye is <laughs> Kanye's really doing something right now. I still like to think maybe he's trying to fool some people, which I think he entertains himself. Not to, it's it's awful what he's saying, but I just think he's trying to goad some people a little bit, maybe. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Con- yeah. That's a uh, 
he he's definitely not his he doesn't have the subtlety of a Graham Hancock yeah. to to make you seem like wow this seems really legit when he talks the way that he's he seems really certain sure he's very convicted and everything he says he says it as if it's a fact right right oh absolutely is there an agreed upon cataclysm in in the scientific world oh, you know for something the end- that would root something that would root so many flood stories throughout culture or is that bullshit too where the flood That's, stories the, taken... the flood stories is another bullshit Jesus. thing too yeah <laughs> you, you have to th- this is another thing of significance Bummer. of this is another thing of the significance and intent conversation so a lot of the flood stories come because a lot of civilization was built inside of giant floodplains next to rivers and so when things do happen like rain and other things, you have these giant flood events that would wipe out like yeah. entire like communities that are all perched up right next to the Imagine river. New Orleans or Houston before raised highways. Right, you right. Know, even. So yeah. um, the idea that all of this is talking about one global flood event of all the ice melting suddenly, I you know, that is putting a lot of significance on an intent that you have no idea if that's accurate or not. Right. And there's not evidence all over the world of a massive bombardment from space 11,000 years ago. Yeah. It's just, we have more evidence of that um, in the geologic record and things like we do of a lot of other times where we do know exactly when there were lots of space yeah. bombardments for rocks. Um, wh- what we've talked about before the end of the ice age and uh, there before it's not just the ice age that constricts humanity. There's a huge amount of volcanism and cataclysm that happens on the planet, um, either from one major volcanic eruption, or there's a huge amount of small volcanic eruptions that happen around India. And um, at, at one point in time, the human population gets down to the single thousands from a planet that was covered with, you know, 50 million yeah they get down to just a hand like almost extinct just a handful and then it starts back up again um so but that's over a long period of time um so you have general climate changing but you also have um the volcanism that is definitely is a real thing and contributed to either climate change or, you know, blocking out of the sun over a certain period of time, dropped global temperatures. And if you don't have a lot of agricultural redundancy at that point in time, yeah. probably barely any, yeah. like you lose one food source, you're fucked. Right. Like, you right. Know, all you're done. Yeah. Um, so it's a big domino effect that happens. It does. It's not going to take an entire, like the whole world is on fire type of thing in order for that to happen because there's just no i mean we saw just with a uh, fucking covid <laughs> yeah <laughs> like we're, we're a very advanced culture and society a global culture where we can all like in in one day i can have stuff that was grown on the other side of the planet type of yeah. thing yeah and that like halted us halted done right right <laughs> So it'd be very easy. It doesn't take much. Just turn our phones off and we're we're gone. It doesn't take much. Just a few degrees in change of temperature, um, uh, a a little bit of a tumultuous time that has a lot of people just losing food source and then people fighting each other over food source. And so a lot of those people are killing each other, not just dying because of natural causes. Um, It it doesn't take much. Yeah. Great. (laughs) 
So yeah, it doesn't need to be a big comet disaster. Yeah, sure. And I don't think there was a global flood either. But, but this is the other this is the other thing why there's there could maybe someday there will be evidence that there was another ancient civilization before these things and it's just been lost because cultures do get lost, civilizations do get lost. This happens all the time. It's why archaeology exists. Yeah. Um but the thing that really um defies that from maybe being a reality is mostly through genetics and the thing that we can the reason why science knows when agriculture started happening is because the genetics of the plants changed we did that to them we mated the plants to make it so something that we could eat because we couldn't eat the weed at first sure we had to figure out how to cro- cross mingle it with other kinds of wheat to be a wheat that we could eat yeah. we did it with corn too so those genetic things start to show up 10 to 12,000 years ago not just that the genetic changes that that causes to us as human beings from the from those different foods that we're eating by become by having a more domesticated food supply that starts happening in us right 10 to 12,000 years ago right so those are the markers you know of the evidence so it's up to Graham to come up with some extraordinary evidence contrary to that that would make everyone turn their heads and go the other way it's whoever is making the extraordinary claim has to come up with the extraordinary evidence. Sure. It's not the responsibility for us to be the ones that are like, Hey, wait, no, 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 that claim doesn't stand. You didn't back it up. Here's all the, here's all the evidence why your claim doesn't stand. If you're making the claim, you got to bring the evidence yeah. or, or your claims thrown in the That's garbage. Whole part of the deal. Right. Yeah. I wonder where is he getting his money from to make all this stuff? Like, you know, I mean, he's selling lot. He the, sells. He sold lots of books for the last thirty years. <laughs> did he, yeah, but did he just start off making these books, and one of them was just a um, hit? He, no, he was a uh, he was a uh, journalist, a foreign correspondent. I think for like yeah, that's CNN. How he, that's or, how he pitches himself. Or too. right, I'm not an archaeologist. I'm a journalist. But but before yeah, before he started doing this, he was like a political correspondent when we were like kids like in the 80s i i think it was not cnn because that was too late maybe his abc yeah. i can't remember wow. now when i was looking i was looking at his cv earlier but yeah he was like a he's like a dan abrams kind of guy and that's that's the other thing that they they sell him on now former left-leaning journalist yeah. graham harold right. now fi- has figured out the truth <laughs> yeah. so when he goes Jesus. on these shows he's like yeah i've i've seen the light i'm no longer a left-leaning liberal journalist so insane man like that has anything to do with anything <laughs> God, it's so stupid. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, so thanks Sean Hancock for making sure that this TV show. Got made. <laughs> I will say, the the other thing that makes it legitimate, that or like makes the show seem legitimate, is that it is incredibly well made. Yeah, oh yeah. Like yeah. the editing is done marvelously. It's probably some of the best, even for a blind guy, like some of the best <laughs> like cinematography and drone shots I've ever seen. It's in compelling. Anything. It's incredible. And like, locked in. just from like uh, uh, anyone who's like a nerd for archaeology stuff, watch it and turn the sound off because yeah. like the just the shots of these uh, monolithic structures are amazing. Yeah. Like you're not, you, they've never been filmed better than they have for this show. Yeah. That's, it's, there was there was a ton put into the production, but they also like that's where they take a bunch of their leaps from too. 
Because like he, one of the technologies he uses, uh, or he knows somebody who uses to like say, you know, that place in Turkey has is like this massive underground whatever. They use like the ground penetrating radar. Oh yeah, to yeah, determine yeah. things. Yeah, and he's like, you know, well, they've determined that there's. 50 times as many pillars under the earth and all this kind of stuff. The way that the ground penetrating radar works is it just shoots radar down. It doesn't tell you what it is. It just tells you it gets reflected sure. back to yeah. you, um, which could be any sort of thing. Like it could be bones or it could just be like a tree fell in that spot, you know, 20,000 years ago or whatever. So like, the the way that they do the editing and production is what makes it such a compelling case for him because he's able to say that kind of stuff then they can shoot on over to like a CGI mm-hmm. you know thing showing you this <laughs> right. underground city right right dramatization they don't have to put that on the screen anymore <laughs> no, no. no 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 like the whole thing yeah you know yeah they never put a disclaimer on anything of course yeah not. right because we're just asking questions yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm just asking I'm just asking. No, I'm just asking yeah. questions. I don't want any answers. No answers. Yeah. Don't answer any of my questions. Oh man. But yeah, I guess the 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 wrap up point is the main the main thing is when when you attempt to do a science but you start with the conclusion and then you try to just change all the evidence of all the things to fit the conclusion that you started with, that's not doing a science. <laughs> It's one of the only things I know about science is that. (laughs) Oh, man. I want to, uh, thanks for having me on. I want to come on again someday because, you guys, I've fallen down the rabbit hole of that Robert Grant dude. Dude, that's what I was, I I had some stuff for that too, but maybe next time. Can, Can I come back? Because I want you guys to pull me over back over to the light because he shows me this math man and i'm like and i want to believe he, he used your language of music too to really get dude to i want to believe that we're all one and he's not trying to sell me anything and he was a former ceo and so i don't know i'm 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 into robert grant so i i i'm i am on a great uh there's a great reddit page that one of the few that i follow that is where I've heard about him before, but it's just like awful mathematics. Oh, bummer. <laughs> it's, it's, I like mean, he, he does has a whole subreddit of just people dunking on awful mathematics. Well, he does. He's like, well, that's 2.34, and that's you, you just raise one of the numbers up, and it's 2.45, and that's this. And I'm like, you can't just raise the number up, can you? Or flips. He's real into flipping six yeah, and nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know, I know, you, lo- I know you love numerology. Yeah. We all RIP Kobe, but I want. I want you to argue against Robert Grant for me sometime. <laughs> Next time, definitely. Cool. Well, the thank not you. Not this Bone and Kai coming up. Yeah, yeah. Not. Sweet. I'll be too drunk to deal with with Robert Grant. <laughs> I, I, I'll, Do you think we should at all pitch that idea, like telling people that we're planning on doing this, or for what should we spring it? Oh, the hangout, <laughs> the Bone and Kai. Uh-oh, yeah, literally. Oh, oh next week. No, I'll just spring it. Oh, okay. Well, we just <laughs> sort of did said both. It. Yeah. <laughs> You'll see what happens next week, won't you? Possibly, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Until next week. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you. Bye. Bye.